Hi, welcome to the Total Fit Boss Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Brittany Parks. And joining me today is Annie P. Ruggles, the idea doula, who is the founder of Non-Sleazy Sales Academy. Now, today we're discussing all things sales and digital entrepreneurship. Now, guys, we are going to go in deep and talk about all the things that we thought were taboo about sales. Life is too short, trying to run a business and balance what you love. I'm your host, Brittany Parks, a former corporate marketing drone and certified life coach turned mompreneur who got fed up with the mom guilt that comes from trying to have the perfect work-life balance. Why can't we have a fit life and a fit business? I'm here to make it easier to be your own boss and enjoy your life. Tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We're going all in with interviews with industry leaders, entrepreneurs, risk takers, coaches, and side hustlers, along with solo episodes with yours truly to provide actionable tools, tactics, processes, and even case studies so you can discover how to create, maintain, and or grow a total fit lifestyle you deserve. You're listening to the Total Fit Boss Chick Podcast. Welcome to the show, Annie. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. I am so glad to have you here. Now, I just have to start out by saying we all want to sell, but we don't want to sell. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. A hundred percent. And the most sales avoidant person on earth was me. So if anybody out there listening is, oh, sales, I don't even want to hear an episode about sales. Believe me, I was in the exact same place not that many years ago. And it's possible. Change is possible. That is amazing to hear because most of us just hate that space. <laughs> we, we can tell and we can teach, but when it comes down to actually selling, it's it can be difficult. And why wouldn't we? Right. Why wouldn't we be averse to that in terms of at this point we have all accumulated what i call sales baggage okay mm -hmm. and sales baggage comes from largely from two things one is any time that you were forced to sell something that you didn't truly care about or support or you were forced to sell by someone else's strategy and this could go all the way back to selling wrapping paper in grade school door to door like it could be any of that could cause sales baggage but the other and the more brutal version of sales baggage comes from all of the times that we have been sold to badly, all the times mm. that we've been arm twisted, all the times that gimmicks and nasty tactics have been used on us, all the time they talked a big game and then the product they delivered was garbage. We internalize all of those things and we make that our personal definition of what selling is. So then you get someone who's so passionate and lit up about what they wanna do in this world and then you say, okay, but in order to be successful, you have to do all of that arm twisting nastiness to get ahead. Of course, we're not going to want to do that. Of course, it's not something that we're like, oh, I get to sell today. That's not what selling is. That's sales baggage. Yes. What's the difference between sleazy selling and not so sleazy selling? It all comes down to whether you treat the person on the other end of the transaction, like a person or like a transaction. Sleazy sellers are like, get that money, 
get the person, get them hooked in, get them into the funnel, get them into the pipeline, close them, move on to the next. And anybody can make a sleazy sale one time. Anybody can. I agree. I agree. All the sleazy sales tactics in the world do not unlock the true Aladdin's lamp of entrepreneurship, which is the lifetime value of the customer. So if you treat your customer like they matter because they do from moment one, then you are setting the foundation for a relationship that could literally span decades. Yes, I totally agree. Now your grandfather was a used car salesman, right? Yes, he was. And the thing that's so funny, I talk to people all the time about selling and every time they're like, I don't want to be a used car salesman. And I'm like, okay, let me tell you something about used <laughs> car salesmen. Number one, that is sales baggage, right? That stereotype exists because of sales baggage, because enough used car salesmen were buttheads that it stuck. But my grandpa, who was not a loud extroverted empathic or emotional human so he was mm -hmm. very different than me but <laughs> totally different because i visualized ted uh, uh, what was his name what was Fred? bundy oh bundy i i, <laughs> I almost said ted and I'm i almost said killer. ted too <laughs> no this is not an episode about being a charismatic serial killer <laughs> i think about the bundy show al yes. bundy yes yeah. what's funny is that like all of the things that I teach people that are natural skills in selling, because I work with introverts and I work with empaths and I work with what I call ask avoidant do-gooders, right? I'm always telling them that their caring and their capacity for caring for their customer sets them apart and really can help the situation. My grandpa didn't have that. He was a wonderful listener and it was against his nature to solve a problem incorrectly so if someone came to him and said i'm a mother i have five children i need a car that's going to get them to school and i need to to be able to fit in this garage my grandpa's going to go okay it's got to be this size but this safe to fit these kids to this to that to this to that okay i'm going to sell you what you need i'm going to sell you this based on what you told me you need. I'm not gonna try to sell you the most expensive car on the lot. I'm not gonna try to trick you into the worst car on the lot. I'm not gonna try to get you to take out a loan that you'll never be able to afford. I'm just gonna give you exactly what you need. And as such, he spent his entire career that way. And when he died, people that he sold cars to in the 1960s came to his funeral to mm. say, Fred Keller was the best salesman, never sold me a lemon, never told me that I was being cheap or that I wasn't thinking things through. Just the nicest guy you could ever meet. And I was like, all right, listen, then we got to talk about destigmatizing, not only selling, but used car salesmen. Exactly, exactly. So what do you see are some of the main mistakes that you are seeing that we're making as digital entrepreneurs or as entrepreneurs? Okay. Digital entrepreneurs, a lot of us are in marketing. Mm -hmm. What I am about to say <laughs> is not anti-marketing. Right. There's my disclaimer. I was in marketing and branding forever, and I desperately loved it. So hear me out. But okay. the mistake that we make is over-marketing. Yeah. In that, we spend all of this time and energy on brand building and brand awareness and that's great 
all of that money and time is worth it. If then you will turn around and ask for the sale. If you're <laughs> gonna ask for the sale, all of that time, all of that energy and all of that money has been wasted because it's not leading to the outcome that you want, which is the outcome that they are receiving from you and you are receiving back, yes. right? Marketing is more fun, more sexy, more shiny, and feels more productive. But marketing and selling are not synonymous. They're not. Yes. I love it. Okay. So how can we ask for the sale if we suffer from ask avoidance? The first thing is know why you are selling what you're selling and know how to tell if the person you're talking to is right for you or not. If you have that base level, right, then mm -hmm. your only job on a call is to listen to what they are telling you about the problem they have so that you can turn around and say, okay, Based on what you just told me about all of these things going on in your life, I do think that I'm the right person to help you. Here's why. And the cost for that is this. Does that work? The ask is actually the most factual part of the entire sales call. It's just a number and a question. But what happens is we get so ripped up in anxiety about money or about selling that one of the main things that I see that just kills the ask is twofold. Number one, if you and I are having this exact conversation that we're having right now, mm -hmm. and then you ask me a question about, let's say, pricing, and my tone totally changes. And suddenly right, I'm like, right. thank you for that fascinating question. <laughs> I really think that your audience would like to hear this from me. People are going to be like, who the hell is this? <laughs> People do that on sales calls all the time. We're like, they're vibing. They're having a great relationship. The customer is eating up everything that they say. And then it comes time for it to turn into a sales conversation. And all of that charisma just goes out the window and the person goes, okay, so now we need to talk about the money part. I'm sorry, but it has come to that time in the conversation. And you're like, what? This is ridiculous. You don't think you do this? You listen to those sales calls of yours that did not go well. You may be shifting into a tone that doesn't match you. The great news is you don't have to change who you are or your relationship building style in order to sell well. You just have to listen and know when to shut up. But even then, I am my Muppet self all the way through the call. All the way through. And I will dial it up or dial it down based on what the person is presenting. I'm obviously not going to like giggle and sing as they're telling me their pain points. That's not my style. But yeah, hopefully not. Me. Right. <laughs> you're being sold to by me, the person that you've seen all in all the marketing, all me. It's tone. It's cohesive. Yes. Yes. Okay. So Annie, I know this is a huge issue for some of the audience out there and for all of us, it could just be a huge issue. Tell us if you can give us like a run through step-by-step, step, if we were creating a sales page, what would we need to include or what do we, would we not need to include to hit those points and make that sale? So a sales page first and foremost, is a coaching exercise. 
The person at the top of the page and the person at the bottom of the page who's going to click the buy button or not click the buy button, that needs to be, there needs to have been a transformation. They need to have something reframed for them, something made possible for them, something, their eyes need to be opened in some way. So as such, because it's a coaching exercise, one of the main things I see on a sales page that I'm like, great, that shouldn't be there is your about page and your story. An about page and a sales page ain't the same page, okay? They're not. Your about page is about you. It's in the title of the page. And that is extremely important because they need to be able to know and trust you. They wanna know that you've been there and all of the things that you're taught in that no like trust school of marketing that I very much buy into. But if I'm on your sales page and I'm trugging along looking at all the different ways that my life can change and all the things that are being offered to me and then I have to take a 20 billion paragraph detour into the childhood of Annie P. Rugg, I'm not interested in that. I'm there for me. Now, I do need to know that you've been there I do need to know that you understand the emotional world that I am currently in. I do need to know your credentials, but you need to be answering the question, what does this person need to know about me in order to make this decision? Not what does the entire internet need to know about what makes me That goes on your homepage, that goes on your about page. The other thing is, do not give them emergency exits on a sales page. Don't do it, just don't. The object of the sales page is to get them to convert. Do not put blog posts there. Do not put videos that don't move the narrative along there. Don't put social links, don't click out to things. Keep it simple. only buttons that you have should be moving them along in the pipeline. I see people all the time that I'm, and I, and this is so easy to accidentally do too, especially if you're like building your own website and it's formatted on the sidebar and it just there. Like I would watch the reports come back of traffic patterns on my own website. And I realized that on some of my stuff, they were listening to episodes of my podcast in the middle of my sales page. Awesome but not productive, no emergency exits, drive them toward the goal. Gotcha. Gotcha. Because I love that because at first she threw me off and I was just like, no emergency exits. What does she mean? So I love that you're basically saying, don't have any additional distractions that could make them click off or because we already know that we have what the focus of less than a goldfish. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like a fruit fly. Exactly. I am a big nerd when it comes to the numbers and all those different things. So one of the things that's on our, on that sales page, as far as like the emergency exits or anything like that, should we have a space where they could reach out to us or be able to have a conversation before hitting the buy button? Or is that a distraction as well? So here's my, everything is a dial, right? Mm -hmm. You can dial it up, you can dial it down. And so the strategy is really going to depend on where in that dial is right for your customers. But here's the best practice that I use and that my I encourage my clients to use. I think it is important that they know that they can reach out to you with questions. However, 
I put that below the buy button and I put it discreetly. Some people have their entire scheduler embedded there and I used to, and that is a mistake. Mm. Because if I didn't have questions before, but I see this huge section that says, not ready to buy? Do you have questions? Here, get on my calendar and take more time to make this decision. Yes, Annie, I'm so glad you said it because that is so, that is exactly where I was going because I was on the fence of making a purchase, but there was a little thing that popped up and it said, you know, did you have any questions? And I'm thinking like, should I have questions? You know? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so there's, that brought up something really beautiful too in that a lot of that questioning can be undone by having an FAQ section on your sales page that handles objections up front and answers the logistical questions that you will likely be asked. So if you're offering a program, for example, how is this program being delivered? When are the group calls? Do I need a video? What if I can't make the group calls? The logistical stuff that you need. But I also need people, sometimes people just want to say, well, hold on, Annie, I'm an introvert. Is this sales system really going to work for me? So in my FAQ next to this program is offered in Kajabi and is delivered by Baba. In addition to that, right underneath that, it says, hey, Annie, will this really work for introverts? Gotcha. Yeah. Because then those introverts don't have to sit there and wonder. I've put it on the page. And I'm not saying, hey, what questions do you have? Which is, I was thinking I should click this buy button to your point. But now I'm just like, hmm, what am I not asking? I guess I'll go on this mental adventure and (laughs) totally check out. And I'll come back to this later because you're right. I'm too slow and I'm going too fast and I need to slow down and the blah, blah, blah. You're gone. Exactly. So... As far as having something like testimonials or video, how important is that? Because sometimes I'm going to be honest, when I see like the photo or just the name or something like that, I'm like, is that a real person? Yes. So how valuable or how should we position that? My favorite peanut butter and jelly pairing is buy buttons and testimonials. Mm. They are soulmates. And it all comes down to the same thing we were just talking about, what their objections are likely to be. So if I am about to click buy, if I have any hesitation at all while I'm clicking buy, then I'm going to be like, ooh, I don't know. Hold on. Let me flick my eyes away for one second. What I want them to be able to flick their eyes to right next to that buy button is something that says, I was also super nervous about signing up for this program, but it's the best decision I ever made. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Boom. Oh, okay. Cool. And the other thing is keep it in their language and keep it short. Testimonials should not be... On sales pages, they should not be a giant brick of text. They should be there to provide social proof and to answer objections. That's it. If you want to have a way where you could say, to see the whole case study, click here or whatever. I don't want you to have the click here to take them to a different page. If you want to expand it, this or that, that's fine. But save that for your email marketing. Save the full detail and their huge dissertation about how much you changed their life or their business. Save that for meatier content. But on the sales page, it really is to say someone else had these questions. Someone else had doubts or hesitations. And this service that I am considering has proven itself to other people 
who are just like me. That's what testimonials should serve. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so 92%. So studies say that 92% of all customer interactions happen over the phone. But digging deeper into one particular study that I saw, there was a guy who was the top salesperson within his company, but he never did one cold call. Yep. And what he did was checkup calls and he would reach out to some of his professional friends and just maintain relationships and learn and make developments, learn about other companies or what their company was doing or what their needs were. And so it was just like building relationships. So he would spend two to three hours on the phone every day, but not making cold calls. How can we be more strategic in our efforts? So my mom ran a extremely successful motivational speaking business for 30 years and never made a single cold call. And I teach sales and I don't teach cold calling, nor do I do them because that is not the relationship. So what Mm -hmm. you're in the example that you're telling, what he's doing is he's investing time in relationships. That is going to open so many doors. But remember that it has to also go both ways. If you're investing in these relationships, make sure you're investing in them too. If you want them to send you referrals, make sure you're referring to them. If you want them to give you a signal boost, make sure you're boosting their signal. If you're asking them for a favor, make sure that you're doing a favor for them or that you send them a thank you card or something like that. In that, if you're really gonna say, okay, no cold calling for me, I'm a relationship girl, awesome, awesome. But treat those people earnestly and genuinely like valuable assets to your business because they are. Yeah, I I really wanna get my hands around how, because this is very interesting to me, how you can go through and make a sale like on social media, like through the DMs and different things like that. Now I have made some amazing contacts and we spoke before the show about Clubhouse and how to really make things happen with Clubhouse. Now I'm just so intrigued by this world that we're in that we can make sales or make connections without actually making without fully just going and say, hey, buy my thing. We can say, hey, buy my thing by our actions and by other actions or other things that we put out there. Tell us how can we in a platform, on a platform where it's not as easy, just we're not doing regular cold calling or we're not face-to-face, how can we ask for the sale on an online space or a digital behind the scenes DM space? The number one objection in everybody's mind about any purchase, is this gonna be worth it? Right. Is this yeah. gonna be worth it? And as such, handling that objection proactively, the best way I know how to do that is to provide personalized support as often as possible. And it's so easy to do that in a clubhouse room or Instagram DM because I call it, I did not come up with this term, somebody else came up with this term, but I really call it flash coaching in that this just happened the other day. I was on a podcast and somebody heard it and they signed up for my list and he sent me an email to tell me how much he liked the episode I was on and he asked me a question and what I could have done 
And what many hands-off marketers would advise you to do is drive them back to the pipeline. Say, hey, will you sign up for my masterclass? Did you watch it? Uh, why? I already am going to take the same amount of time to answer, like, to actually answer his question. Instead of just dumping him back into my list and treating him like the deli counter ticket that <laughs> happened to come up next, I'm like, oh, look, this person is reaching out to me with a question. Let me give him my best advice on that question. Let me take the time to say, first off, thank you so much for contacting me. I'm so glad you liked the episode. Was there something specific that spoke to you? And also, that's a really great question. I need to get to know you better before I answer it fully. But one of the things that I always advise is this and this. So he went, he took that, he implemented it immediately, and he came back and goes, guess I got a program now because that advice you gave me totally worked. Always be giving personalized help if you can swing it. That's why freebies are so big. That's why we all have funnels that are like, click here to download this PDF. What if you can go a step further than the PDF? What if you, if you're a marketer, can you do a quick flash audit of something? Can you say, show me your Instagram bio? Ooh, I like that. Did you know that if you use Linktree, you can blah, 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 whatever it is. If you're a mindset coach, if you are over on that personal development side of things, offer up a reframe, give them homework, give them an exercise, but do something that's going to move the needle for them. Because if you do that, then you have already answered the question does this person provide valuable assistance? That's the first hurdle. Then they're going to be like, wow, that was amazing. How can I get more? Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that. Okay. So you actually have a unique way of handling pain points when you're selling. How are you doing that? <sighs> pain points. Okay. So Pain points are one of the main reasons why we do not want to talk about sales things, right? Because we're like, I don't want to bring up the fact that... And for a while, a lot of the sales training that was being taught was very much like that pickup artist phase mm -hmm. where like they were teaching men to go into bars and be like, you have a cute face for a fat girl. Like, what? <laughs> Excuse me? And a lot of selling teaches that way too, where it's like, it wouldn't be so expensive if you didn't buy so many fancy lattes, Brittany. A cute polka dot shirt you're wearing. I see how much shopping do you think you do? Not Passive aggressive. Yeah. Like, it just makes me want to like gag forever. However, that is not the way to do it. Instead, instead, I want you to look at the way that you cast the play of this person's life. Because in sleazy selling and in the sleazy version of pain management, for lack of a better term, on these calls and in these situations, the negative marketing, the negative selling that we are trying to avoid says, you are a complete idiot moron. Your life is off the rails. You are out of control. You are unlovable and doomed for failure. Aren't you lucky you found me? I am casting the person as the villain in their own story. If I do, that's not the villain. Their hardships are the villain. And you are not the hero who comes along to save them. The customer is the hero. You are the sage, you are the advisor, you are the Dumbledore in this factor, right? right. Now, as such, 
when you say, how would an advisor talk to this pain? You would use a lot of compassion, but you would speak from a place of expertise because you're an expert in this, right? Right. So you would say something like, a lot of people, by the time they get on this call, they are so terrified and frustrated that it becomes this casserole of doubt that really just follows them around. Can you relate to that? How do you feel? And then they could go, yes, that's it, exactly. Or they can go, no, for me, it's not a casserole of dread. For me, it is just anger all the time. I'm angry every time I check my email. Okay, now I've opened them up. I've gotten permission to emotionally share. But if I go in and I say, hey, your anger is caused because you're making all these wrong decisions because you didn't take my program because you didn't break down nastiness. No. Hey, you're out there doing your absolute best, but your absolute best doesn't seem to be enough because life is kicking your butt right now. If life is kicking your butt right now, you might be feeling this and this. And the great thing is I've worked with other people exactly like you on getting out of where you are now. And I've also been there myself. I'd love to talk to you about that. I know when I was in that position, the number one thing that I felt was blank. That is a totally different conversation than when did you first realize that your business was failing? And so that is exactly what we include on our sales sheet, right? When on our sales page, that's what we should include are those pinpoints. So going back to that sales page, once again, let's put it all together. How does that look in terms of speaking to our audience, addressing the pain points, bringing in the, our testimonials all the way down to the close? The first thing that we have to answer on the sales page is, am I in the right spot? Am I in the right spot? That's why I want you to be talking directly to the problem and the tangible and emotional fallout of that problem and the solution on a high level in the very top section of your website. Don't start introducing your product. Don't start introducing yourself. The very first thing I need to know, is this for me? If I don't see that, I'm not going to read a whole giant sales page. So that's got a first answer. Is this for me? Okay. Mm -hmm. So I've seen, yes, this is for me. This is calling out to people like me with a problem like me who feel like me and want these other things. Okay. Now I'm invested. Now I can see what solutions you're proposing to me. That's what you're going to do next. You're going to outline all of the reasons why you offer what you offer and how it flows together and how it's delivered. But we have to start with that emotional place. If we jump right into, hey, it's a 12 module course delivered over the system (laughs) with the blah, blah, like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I'm out. (laughs) No, I'm out. Because here's the thing. There are emotional buyers and there are fact-based buyers and your page needs or your call, depending on how you're doing any of it, it needs to be a dance between fact and emotion because some people are extremes, but most of us are somewhere in the middle. Yes. Okay. So we're moving down this sales page. So what else should we have next? For the love of God. Please make your button text something that we would want them to say yes to. Okay, yes, yeah. <laughs> sign up is great. Sure, fine. Do I want to sign do I want them to sign up? Do I want to sign up? Sure. Okay. I'll sign up. 
That's give it fine. <laughs> you can say give it to me or something like that. That's got a lot of humor and a lot of tone in it. I want it. Normally what I love, and this doesn't work in all situations, but what I really love is when it's written as what we want them to say when they click. Yes. Yeah. So for example, for my free masterclass, it says something along the lines of, yes, I'm ready to stop hating selling. Gotcha. Okay. So let's do a couple of those exercises. So I know that is huge because some people say, take me there, give it to me, show me or something like that. Those are fine. Those are cute. But what if it said yes instead? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're already, we're getting them to start to say yes again. You're right. It's all about getting them to say yes. That is literally your only goal. So put yes on the button. Yes, I blank. If one of my dear clients and friends, she has started this whole thing where she's focusing marketing on Pinterest and she wants to get people away from the money dumpster that is Facebook ads. And she knows that's a really big pain point for a lot of people. So her button says, yes, I don't want to give Mark Zuckerberg any more money. Okay. I love it. Yep. There we go. (laughs) So we love those examples. We just like to figure out how we can position it for ourselves because so many times you don't know really what to say on that button without making it too long. They're on the side of long. I'll click, I'll click a long button as long as it's compelling. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now see, that's good to know because you, you, you're on that fence. Okay. I need to say something, but it shouldn't be too long, but it shouldn't be too short. You're in. Keep it to one clause. You know what I mean? Don't say You don't want like, a paragraph, right? <laughs> for sales for empaths, like my main program, <laughs> the button on sales for empaths does not say, yes, I am an empath and I want to hate nothing and I want to love selling and I blah blah without this that and this and that no that's a subtitle not a button exactly yes I want to ask without shame is a very different thing than yes enlist me in your program yes it is and that and then the way you just say it so simply yes I want to ask without shame is great because you're actually just reiterating what they're getting and it's that keyword. So I emotion love Emotion and detail. The shame part is obviously the emotion. The how to ask part is the detail. Yes. Annie, I'm interested in knowing what our audience is thinking. So this is the interactive segment. So if you're listening in real time, go to the IG stories at Total Fit Boss Chick and on pod on Instagram, and we are going to have this poll question listed. Hey. Struggle, yes. Do you struggle with creating sales pages? Now, if you aren't listening in real time, no worries. Just check the IG highlights for the responses, and you can still weigh in and see the results. So, Annie, because you've gone through that process with us with that sales page and the pain points. What I'd really like to know is as we're bringing this whole thing together and bringing it home, how can we have a good follow-up that, because again, research says, and we already know this, that most of the, most sales occur in follow-up. And as a matter of fact, it says 80% of sales require five follow-up contacts after a meeting and 44% of salespeople or the people who are doing the sales, even if you are not a salesperson, you are selling something if you have a product or if you're in business. It says that we give up after one follow-up. Oh my goodness. So how can we follow up 
and not be annoying. First things first, offer them homework. Remember what I said just a little while ago about getting them to getting them ahead, getting them that quick win. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I always love to do, whether I get a yes, a no, a not now, a maybe, whatever it is, I don't care what answer I get. I give homework. Now, I'm not going to give homework to somebody that gets on and it's completely wrong for me. And they really do want to learn like competitive, sharkish selling. Like, I'm not going to give that person homework. What homework would I give them? They're not right for me. I'm not right for them. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much for your time. Move on with your life. But everybody else, if they give me a yes, they say, I can't wait to sign up as soon as I get my tax return. Okay, awesome. In the meantime, here's what I want you to do. This is in module one of the program, but you can do it now because you're so fired up and I want you to stay busy until that tax return comes in. Okay, I get a no, I get a not now. If I get a no, that's based on a objection. Normally that's money, time, or energy. I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the money. Okay, you know what? I hear you on that. This is an intensive program by design. Here's something that I think, based on what you told me on this call, that I think would really change things for you. So what I want you to do is read this book, watch this thing, read this post, do this whatever, follow this exercise, fill in this worksheet, whatever it is. Because then not only are you giving them value that's going to prove how valuable you are, it also gives you a reason to follow up and say, hey, I haven't heard from you. Just wondering, how's that homework going? Did you have a chance to read that book yet? Okay. Let me know if you have any questions. I'm here. Yes. Okay. So Annie, that is great. Now, how... What is your productivity secret in order to make that happen, to follow up and stay on top of things without being consumed by all of the other things you have to do? How do you know how to follow back up and see how did that training go? What process do you use and how are you managing your whole life with your family and everything in order to do (laughs) Just give it all to us. All right, here we go. My main productivity, this requires a lot of tracking. And I don't use a big, high ticket, super complicated CRM because that's not the right choice for my business. But what I do is I use Trello, which is a free project management platform. Mm -hmm. And I have a little card, like a Rolodex card, but digital on everybody. And I will put a action item, I will put a due date, I will put a follow-up date right there so that when I check, all I have to do is go to one dashboard and look at who needs to hear from me that week. But Mm -hmm. then if I click on the card, it says, okay, you recommended your holiday sales training from last year, you sent it via email. Okay, cool, because then I can go back and I can say, okay, hey, Brittany, I sent you that video. I'm guessing you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but when you do, I'd love to hear this question or let me know if you have any questions. Okay, I love that little tip and I love Trello as well. So yeah, that is excellent. So we are in one of my favorite portions of the show called the mentoring moments. So Annie, this is your opportunity to mentor our audience and give us a little bit more of you. So (laughs) I know, right? Drum roll, please. All right, Annie, if you were to be able to reverse yourself back five years ago, 
what would you do differently? I would conquer sales avoidance a hell of a lot faster. I didn't even know it was a thing. I didn't even realize it. How could I? There wasn't a me screaming on podcasts about it. (laughs) I didn't know that it existed. I didn't realize that marketing was not going to cross the finish line for me. And it took years and years of me watching my own business succeed enough, but not succeed enough. And I also watched these brilliant, incredible, driven, other-centered, service-minded providers work so hard and invest so much in their marketing only for their small business to die because they weren't doing that last action, that last ask, and that cannot stand. So if I had a time machine, I would go back, I would talk to myself, I would tell, I would bring like macaroni and cheese, a teddy bear, and a weighted blanket to tell myself that I teach sales because that conversation is not going to go well. And (laughs) I'm going to say, no, but listen, hear me out, me. This is not what selling is. And I would go down the rabbit hole of finding out how to do it better that I'm so grateful I did back in 2019. I wish I had done it in 2010. Yes. Okay. You have done an amazing job giving us many ways to approach sales without feeling sleazy. And you have opened up our eyes to some other things that we just didn't even think about that we had our preconceived notions about sales that we didn't even think about. So thank you so much, Annie, for being on the show. Please let everyone know how you can be found. I can be found all over my own website, which is my name, AnniePRuggles.com. But more than that, you can go to my website and you can find my masterclass. You can find my own podcast. You can find all sorts of stuff. You can take a fun quiz, whatever. That's great. If you're a website person, go right ahead. But listen, if you are sales avoidant, I want to encourage you to do something scary, which is reach out to a complete stranger, i.e. me, on a platform where you and I can talk directly. And what I mean by that is I'm on Instagram at Anniepreneur, A-N-I-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. I'm on LinkedIn under my name. I'm on my Facebook page under the non Sleazy Sales Academy. Send me a message. If you're freaking out because you have a sales call coming up and you don't know how to close it, or if you heard what we were talking about today about sales pages and you're horrified that yours is not up to muster, send me a message. You will get me directly. You will not get my wonderful creative director, Georgia. I would love to do exactly what I talked about on this episode and provide real value to get you moving. And the best way to do that is to reach out to me directly. That is awesome. Guys, I will have all of her contact information in the show notes. So if you were driving, don't wreck out. Just click. Don't wreck out. (laughs) Yes, just the links will be clickable and you can go directly to her page and ask all of those questions that I know that you have and she can answer for you. Thanks once again. Thank you so much. Oh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Please don't text while driving, y'all. As always, thanks for listening. And if you got value out of the show, please show us some love and rate us by going to ratethispodcast.com backslash Total Fit Boss Chick. You're listening to 
the Total Fit Boss Chick Podcast. Bye for now.